remain standing to honor the work and the life of our Savior Jesus as we read his gospel uh, taken today from John chapter 1. The Apostle John writes, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Who do you, what, what do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, the Pharisees, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. I baptize you with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. We pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts this morning be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have heard the story of the time that St. Nick punched an unbeliever right in the face? Well, before, before I go on and tell that story, I should probably be clear, the St. Nick I'm talking about is not this one, uh, but actually this St. Nicholas. Um, this past Wednesday, December 6th, many people, many Christians, celebrated the festival of St. Nicholas, a commemoration and celebration that, to the surprise of many Christians, is, well, a rather Christian holiday. You see, St. Nicholas was a man who grew up in the 3rd century in the town called Myra, and he eventually became the bishop of Myra. Nicholas was born to wealthy parents, and his parents died at a very early age due to an epidemic, and he inherited, um, well, quite an impressive inheritance. St. Nicholas uh, is known from many stories that have been told of of how he took that inheritance to help out the poor and needy. About how there was a time he he went and he rescued uh, three daughters from an impoverished family from being sold into slavery. How he used his wealth to take care of hungry and needy children on cold winter nights. And how he would 
place coins or bags of money in children's shoes when they were in need. A tradition that is still kept by many when observing the festival of St. Nicholas. He's the, he's the one who we got the legend of, well, and I hope I didn't ruin anything for everybody, but the legend of the big man with the belly like a bowl full of jelly. Um, that's where we get the idea of St. Nicholas from. But the story about the time that he, he sucker punched somebody. It takes place in 325 AD. And this, this story is perhaps better called a legend, but during this time, Emperor Constantine called together, well, a council, a council of Nicaea, or a conference of all the religious leaders in the world, all the bishops, 300 of them. And the reason they were called together was to have a debate, to have a discussion about the nature of the Trinity, more specifically, the essence of who Jesus Christ is. You see, there was a man named Arius who lived down in Egypt who, well, got the idea in his head that Jesus wasn't fully God. He wasn't truly divine. And he was propagating this lie to people. And he, he stood before the 300 bishops and the emperor Constantine. And he bishops patiently and respectfully listened to his arguments. But there was one bishop who just couldn't take it anymore. St. Nicholas stood up walked across the room and walked over to Arius and punched him right in the nose. Why? Well, because St. Nick, the, the big-hearted, uh, white-bearded, gift-giving saint, couldn't take someone dissing his Jesus. He couldn't take someone disrespecting Jesus, really, really depreciating who Jesus was, the, the essence of, of what he's all about. As we'll confess later, he is the God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. This Jesus came down from heaven. This was last Wednesday as I thought about the festival of St. Nicholas and also thought about our sermon text for today. I got to thinking that St. Nicholas doesn't really look so much like this bearded fellow or remind me of him, but he reminds me more of this one. This bearded fellow, John the Baptist, who, who like St. Nicholas, were two guys who, who stood their ground and, and wouldn't take anything away from who Jesus was. For those of you who were here last week, you might have recognized or sounded familiar the gospel lesson that we read. It was another account of John the Baptist's life, his ministry. Last week, however, our, our gospel lesson came from Mark chapter 1, and it, it gave us a preview of what John's ministry would be all about. It was an account that took place before his ministry. Today, in, in John chapter 1, our, our account comes after Hundreds and thousands of people went out from Jerusalem and Judea into the countryside to be baptized by John. Our account happens after John baptized Jesus, after very ministry and quite a stir. And, well, having quite an extraordinary ministry. And the rumor was going around that this guy might be the promised one. This guy might be the Messiah. So the religious leaders sent the Levites and they sent the priests, the scribes out to, to ask him, who are you? But even as he stood there, 
pointing to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, they didn't care. They, they weren't satisfied with John's message. They weren't satisfied with John's ministry because, quite frankly, they weren't focused on the center of John's ministry. They were more focused with whether or not John and who he was and if he was the Christ, if he was the, the Elijah recarnate, or if he was the prophet, the, the second Moses coming. That's what they were about. And so finally, John had to say to them, look, the one who is coming is already standing among you and you don't recognize him. You miss him because you're not believing in him. You're not hearing my message. The reason that I'm emphasizing the, the obsession of John and St. Nicholas about the essence of Jesus, about who he is, the Savior, is because today, I don't think there's a person in America who doesn't know Jesus. But do people in our culture have an accurate picture of who Jesus is? Do people in our church have an accurate picture of, Ju of who Jesus is? Because you see, Jesus is a very popular fellow. Jesus has been on the cover of Time magazine. He's been on the cover of Newsweek magazine more times than I could count. He's been on National Geographic. He's even been on um, the Popular Mechanics magazine. Jesus is used for a lot of things. He's used to, well, support how important hybrid cars are. He's used to support and cite evidence for PETA. And he's even been used, cited in the Alabama tax reform. You know, Jesus is used for a lot of different things. He's used as an advocate for gay marriage. He's used as the reason we need to have more gun control. And he's also used on the other side for that it's his arm is what gives us the right to bear arms. And Jesus is used to support environmental causes. And whether you're a conservative or a liberal, religious or not religious, moral or immoral, everyone uses Jesus, well, because he really gives support to our ideas. He lived to show us how to do it, and he died to show us, right, everything that's possible if you just put your mind to it. But is this, is this the picture that scripture gives us of Jesus? I think one author put it insightfully when he said that what our culture does today is really turn Jesus into Mr. Rogers of our day. But you see, Mr. Rogers wasn't killed by the people he came to bring his message to. And so the messages don't match. E either Jesus is who he said he was, or we're turning him into something that he's not. You see, what people do is take any idea or cause or, or notion that they have and they slap Jesus' name on it because it makes the idea better. It makes the cause worthier if you just put Jesus' name on it, right? Even if Jesus has nothing to do with it. So what are we to do as Christians? Maybe, maybe what this church does is we pull a St. Nick and we go find those people and we give them a, a pop in the nose to get them focused back on who Jesus is, right? Well, not so fast. Because I think we're guilty of doing the same. 
of taking Jesus' name and, and slapping it on things to give it a more Christian flair. We do it even for Christmas. I mean, you think about how much of our, of our celebration this time of year is more of a Christ-meh celebration rather than a Christmas celebration. I mean, it's kind of awkward the extent to which even Christian people don't keep Christ in Christmas. Our first question for reflection this morning is this. What, what is it that, that really puts your heart, puts your spirit in the Christian mood? What is it that makes you feel the Christmas spirit? What is it that you have to have to have a Merry Christmas? Is it decorations? Is it that you got to have the wreath up and you got to have the Christmas tree up and the lights up before you really feel that it's Christmas time? Do we forget that those things are, are symbols? The, the evergreens are symbols of the fact that the one we're celebrating is bringing everlasting life. Or is it the music? Is it the songs that come on the radio or the, or the special songs that we sing in church just a couple times a year that really make you feel that it's, it's Christmas time? And we forget all along that, well, the reason Silent Night has any sentimental value and the reason that we sing Joy to the World is because there really was angel choirs that burst onto the stage to usher in their king and ours. Do we go to Christmas parties and make Christmas cookies because it's, it's what makes us really excited for this holiday and we forget that this is a celebration of a birthday, the birthday of our God, the birthday of our Savior? Is it family time? Memories that you make with the people that you love that really define Christmas for you? Or is it a reflection on that first Christmas family that took Jesus and, and set him in a feeding trough so that one day you and I might be family members with God? Is it all about giving? Or is it a reflection on what Christ gave to us? This might sound a little weird um, for your pastor or a pastor to hear you say, hear you say the pastor, have the pastor say, but think about this. I'm, I'm a little uneasy every time I hear people excited about keeping Christ in Christmas. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm very excited that our, that our president is, is making it popular to say Merry Christmas again, but I wasn't exactly applauding the announcement. Because whenever people are excited to say Merry Christmas again or keep Christ in Christmas, the question I wonder is, where did he ever go? Or did he ever leave? I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong if, if we need to keep Christ in our celebrations, if we need to put him in our traditions, if we need to take Christ and, and remember him in our songs. So often of what we do often squeezes Christ out. And so we do, we have to put him in instead of remembering that everything that we do, everything that we celebrate, everything that we commemorate, the lights, the trees, the cookies, the parties, the family, these are all captive to Christ. During our sermon series, 
called Christmas lights. We're looking at different lights that illuminate our way to Christ. His way is well during this Advent season. Last week we looked at a nightlight and how the gospel is well symbolized by that light in a dark place because it not only illuminates our sin, this, the fact that there are obstacles in our way, but the most glorious miracle about the gospel is that it also removes the barriers that are between us. Well, this week, the light that we're looking at is, is much simpler. There's no frills, there's no colors, and there's certainly no flashing. The light that we're thinking about this week as we, as we prepare our hearts for Christ is white, steady, constant Christmas lights. Because you think about it, there, there are so many things, so many flashing things, twinkling things that distract us during this time of year. And I am not even talking about the alleged evils of Christmas, consumerism and secularism. I'm talking about good things, very, very appropriate and wonderful things. Time with family, Christmas decorations, Christmas cookies, Christmas traditions, and, and Christmas songs. But it's important to remember that these things, they're not Christ. Everything that we do this season, it's really just a flashing light because I'm sorry if there are people who just love flashing and blinking lights out there, but whether it's an LED, halogen, or incandescent light, all blinking lights, flashing lights, will eventually go out sooner than a steady light. And that's what everything is because the Christmas parades end. The Christmas vacation and the time spent with family, it ends. The decorations get hung, the songs get sung, and then what happens? They go back in a box for another 10 months. The cookies get eaten and hopefully not, but the, the presents, they get broken. Everything, everything comes to an end that we really get wrapped up in this time of year, except for one thing. That is our Christ. That is our Christ who John describes this way. John's gospel calls Jesus, your Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Christ is the light that, that no darkness can ever overcome the light that does not surrender to darkness, even though the darkness, Satan, since the beginning of the time, since, since Adam and Eve first heard the promise of Jesus, has been trying to snuff out. John describes him as the light that breaks the darkness, that breaks our infatuation with flashing things, because he is the light that captivates our lives and our souls as the true light the truth, the source of all light. And that's our first film blank for us this morning, that Jesus Christ is this. He is the light bringer. And that picture of light and illumination of Christ in us is one that is used to metaphorically describe our salvation, our, our conversion throughout Scripture. Before us this morning, John goes on. The Apostle John goes on to unpack what that means even more. He says about this light that he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, 
to those who believed in him, his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Our second question for reflection this morning is, is, is it really better to give than to receive? This time of year, young kids get really, really excited about presents, right? And so oftentimes, good Bible-believing parents will give that sound biblical advice that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it's true, right? That is true for every single relationship that we have except for one. And that's with our relationship with Christ. With him, it is far, far better to receive than give. John tells us that to those who receive Jesus, in other words, those who believe Jesus, receiving is believing. To those people who recognize Jesus as the Lord of hosts, the Prince of Peace, and, and not just my personal or political um, passion promoter, but those who recognize Jesus as the Son of God and the Son of David, not just my motivator or cheerleader, and not my buddy, and recognize Jesus as my Savior from sin, and not my buddy, and not my homeboy, but my Jesus, the Jesus at whom his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. People who recognize that, who know that about him, receive from him. Receive something that is truly extraordinary. The right, or more accurately said, the power, the authority to become children of God. That is, to be in the family of God and to be able to claim certain things that only family of God members have. And that's that we have contentment. No matter what you get or don't get this Christmas, you have contentment knowing that with Christ, you want for nothing. Members of God's family have the ability to lay hold a claim of peace. A peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that means there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no pain for any of the wrong that I've done, any of the Christless Christmas that I may have celebrated. It's all gone. As members of Christ's family, there's a confidence knowing that we have a Heavenly Father who is cheering us on in, in whatever endeavor we undertake when we make His glory and His name known. As members of God's family, we are heirs to an inheritance that these words and these minds can't understand. We have an identity, uh, a uniqueness in this world that no flashing light can reflect on us or, or give to us. But we have a personality and a personhood that Jesus Christ gave, the, the Lord of light gave by fashioning us with his own light. Jesus Christ is not only, he is not only the light bringer, but he is also, for this reason, our life giver. This is what it means to use those, those pictures metaphorically side by side, that he is our light and he is our life. He brings both of those to us. That is our Jesus. That is the Jesus that we celebrate. At the end of our text for today, some Jewish leaders sent by the priests and the Levites came out 
and they wanted to know who Jesus was. They weren't satisfied by Jesus' answers of, or excuse me, John's answers of who he wasn't. He wasn't the Messiah, Elijah, or Moses. And so they wanted to know, man, come on, give us something that we can take back. You know what the irony of this whole episode is? The guys, the priests, the scribes, the Levites who came out to John, they knew exactly who he was. Go, go back and read Luke chapter 1, and you'll hear the story about Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Yeah, he, he was a priest. And people would have known the story about the time Zechariah went into the temple to do the once-in-a-lifetime thing of offering incense before the altar of the Lord. And people would have known about the time he came out and couldn't talk for nine months. And then old Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had, had a son, and it was John. Now, John, by birth, was from the line of Aaron. He was a Levite. He was a priest. These guys would have known exactly who he was. And yet they went out to him. And they asked, who, who are you? And ultimately, their questions proved that they expected perhaps a little too little from their Messiah. Because they thought John was it. That's why John said, listen, listen, if you think I am Jesus, you got another thing coming. Literally, you have the Savior coming because I am not him. They walked away unsatisfied because they weren't able to receive what Christ gives because they didn't believe the message that John spoke. As we walk into the Christmas season and, and walk away from it eventually, there's one thing that we all want. There's something I want for you and we all want for ourselves. And that's that we have a satisfying Christmas experience, right? We've all known the emptiness and the, the shallowness of, of what Christmas can feel like. So we all want to walk away satisfied. So, so how do we do that? Do we set our expectations a little lower so if we don't get what we want, it's, it's all okay? My encouragement this morning is that we don't set expectations lower. We set them higher. We set our expectations much, much higher as we look to Christ. And we look to Christ and what he gives and the life that he brings, the light that he gives. Because you see, Jesus Christ is also our ultimate satisfier. He's the one who makes all of our Christmas wishes a reality in a way that no flashing light can. Because his source of light, his source of love is constant and it's without cease. When you look to Christ during Christmas and, and the essence of who Jesus is and, and what he's about, you can walk into any situation in life and out of any situation in life knowing that even though you have your Christmas shopping list done and you passed all your exams, that's not what gives you self-worth. It's that Emmanuel came to earth. That God came to be with us. You can walk into any situation in life and, and out of any Christmas season or any season in life for that matter knowing that, that you are who you are not because your Christmas card or that Facebook post was, was perfect and everyone looked good but because in Christ's light, 
our God sees you as picture perfect already. You can walk out of this Christmas season fulfilled, knowing that the, the, the rest and the rejuvenation that we look forward to with our Christmas breaks and our Christmas vacations, it's not going to be physical all the time. But resting in what Christ has done and what Christ has won, it gives lasting spiritual rest. We can buy gifts and we can give gifts without worry or feeling disappointed like we aren't good gift givers just because we didn't get that smile or the delight that we wanted from our, from our spouse or our kids because we know we have a God who's smiling at us that way, delighting in us that way because of a present that he's already given us. This Christmas, focus on Christ. Christ for who he really is. The light bringer, the life bringer, and the ultimate satisfier of all of our Christmas wishes. This Christmas, celebrate Christ. Don't miss Christ. Amen.